0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. When our younger son was going off to um, to college or university, I just swung open my arms and I said, Lord, I'm going to have more time in my schedule. My boys are going to be launched and what are we going to do with this one life to live? I am all in for the kingdom and I've always been all in for the kingdom, but now I had more time. So that is when that senior year of my son Aaron, our younger son's uh, high school senior year, I sensed the Lord three times nudging me. What do you do best? Communication, Lord. What do you most want to communicate? You. You there were 400 people lined up behind me for my job on qvc are you kidding me (laughs) colleen but i knew there weren't 400 people lined up behind me to preach christ and him crucified and i'm like i can do that i'm equipped to do that so i went to seminary got my master's in theology and then graduated Six years ago, and got and started the ministry Nancy Hicks Live. And that's
1: what she continues to do to this day. Now, life did take an unexpected turn for Nancy Hicks and her family with the tragic loss of her son. Today in Connections, Nancy's gonna share her story of how she went from being on stage to going to full time ministry. She'll also share her son's story and how she's using that to help others. We're joined today by Nancy Hicks. She is a speaker, a teacher, a podcaster, and an author. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You have a very interesting story because you started off at QVC and doing that type of stuff, and now you're into full-time ministry. Tell us about that.
0: Well, actually, I started on the stage in Canada, in Toronto, uh, Colleen. I was a singer. That was my first degree and my first career um, musical theater main stage. Musical theater and concert work. I was a, a professional singer, and then we moved to the U.S. and um, with our two boys, David and Aaron, and my husband for his work actually, and we um, and yes, then I I did do a, a write. I took a write and um, but stayed in communication, professional communication, and worked on air with QVC for ten and a half years as a spokesperson and style expert for them. But all. All the time, I've been a leader in the church, always. From the time I was 16, I preached my first sermon at 16. So I've always been teaching Bible, head of outreach and evangelism, just, you know, leading people, non-believers, strong Christians, leaders in the church, both my husband and I since teens, since our teens. Um, So for me, when our younger son was going off to, um, to college or university, um, I just swung open my arms and I said, Lord, I'm going to have more time in my schedule. My boys are going to be launched. And what are we going to do with this one life to live? I am all in for the kingdom. And I've always been all in for the kingdom. Um, but now I had more time. So that is when that senior year of my son, Aaron, our younger son's uh, high school senior year, I Sense the lord three times nudging me what do you do best communication lord what do you most want to communicate you you there were 400 people lined up behind me for my job on QVC. are you kidding me colleen <laughs> like it's a great yes. gig it's a great gig and i loved it but i knew there weren't 400 people lined up behind me to preach christ and him crucified and i'm like i can do that i'm equipped to do that. So I went to seminary, got my master's in theology and then graduated six years ago and got and started the ministry, Nancy Hicks Live. And that is a primarily a speaking ministry. Yes, I've authored a book. Yes, I I, uh, do. uh, I create course content and uh, I lead courses and things like that. But primarily my happy place and media, of course, is is talking to people and speaking on platforms and in, in media. It's my my happy place.
1: What was it like to make that full transition over into ministry? Well, um, hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: hard. It's hard because you know what, it was so easy just going in and in some ways I I, I think for Actually if I look back, I think I really do well in the marketplace and I ask the Lord, please don't take me out of the marketplace I am I do really well among non-believers mm-hmm. I know I love people I love diversity I love people who are raw and real and who don't who don't I don't like piety and Posing, I hate that. So for me, I feel I feel like a lot of times Christians do that, and I, I'm like, could you just stop it? And so I find often the defenses are down with non-believers, especially in this in this age of secularization. Um, the pretenses are down generally. I know why I'm there and I can love people where they are, regardless of what they believe, regardless of how they feel about Christ or the church or Christians or this branch of Christianity. It doesn't matter to me. So I do well there. Moving into full-time ministry, when you've been working in the marketplace and being and, and been respected in the marketplace, uh, and going in and being a Christian speaker, you get your degree, you know, you're you're equipped, you're ready. Um, you've been working in the church all your life, sweating blood, you know, blood, sweat and tears. And now you're out there and you go, hi, I'm a speaker. And people are like, who are you? What do we care? That's oh. the truth. that's the truth. Yeah. So God's been good and I've been moving forward, but, um, and, and it's been really wonderful and I've had lots of opportunities, but, um, frankly, I thought I'd be further along than I am right. Uh, than I am, um, in terms of, of, um of the growth of the ministry that's the truth
1: well that time will come because you have not only stories from your childhood but recently just over just over a year ago Mm. you lost your son Mm. can you tell us about that situation and that story it is absolutely tragic It is tragic, Colleen. I think,
0: you know, when I say I've been doing this ministry six years, I just want to say I know, I know that when I look at the scriptures and I think about many people called by God to uh, move the message of, of redeeming love forward, kingdom forward, you know, they were called by God and anointed and then it was in the wine press you go or into the wilderness you go. So that's me. So our older son, David, here's one of a couple of stories, but this is the one that's uh, right front and center in my life right now. Uh, Our older son, David, uh, graduated uh, from his undergrad and then lived um, lived in Washington, D.C. Brilliant, brilliant, phenomenal Mm -hmm. older son, uh, lived in D.C., was going to likely go into uh, into law and decided that he, can, he could sort of see what was going on with uh, with China. Uh, moved to China, in fact, and um, had been living out of the house for about, I don't know, nine years um, and moved to China, spoke Mandarin, worked for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, doing research and writing for them. He was a brilliant writer, had po- post had uh, published with the Boston Globe and Washington Post, for example. Um, And David uh, came back from China after living in Shanghai for two and a half years in order to pursue uh, graduate studies. And he did uh, was in graduate school doing a double major in public policy and law at Harvard and um, 26 at age 26 David went in for what they expected would be an uneventful colonoscopy. There was blood in his stool. <laughs> and went in, they, and the, the oncologist, uh, w- well, what they discovered was a tumor. And this oncologist uh, said to David, oh, gosh, uh, you know, we have so many options at our disposal, David. Phenomenal school up in, or pardon me, hospital up in the Boston area, uh, Dana-Farber, this is their thing. I will die before you do, David. Don't you worry, we'll get it. But two years later, the second of which was COVID, and David actually had moved home during that time because Cambridge, Harvard was the first university to close everything down. Um, so David moved back here, but two years later, after, you know, alternative medicine and Uh, chemotherapy and scans and surgeries Uh, they had exhausted all their options and in a windowless room at the university of pennsylvania hospital david said uh okay this isn't working what's our plan b and they said david there is no plan b it's hospice and what a shocker colleen what at age 28 our unbelievable son who by the way was a strong follower of Christ that kid could connect with people homeless people poor people all the way to judges and Harvard professors and and the president of his undergraduate uh, college sent us the most unbelievable letters handwritten letters and emails about the impact David had on them he was unbelievable and with his whole future ahead of him, we watched him on May 1st, 2021, breathe his last, and David died. And that is where, for the last year, we have been living with the reality of uh, the fact that our son is no longer in the flesh on planet Earth with us. And its it has been a year, a year of utter grief.
1: I just want to go back a little bit in time when you first heard this. And this doctor was so optimistic that, hey, he's going to make it. And then all of a sudden to find out that, no, it's you're going to hospice. This is this is the end. What was that like for you as a family to go from complete optimism to? Wow.
0: Well, the thing is. You don't go from complete, I think this is the journey with God too. Well, maybe sometimes not. Um, But in this case, it wasn't going from complete optimism to it's over, hospice. Um, Because, of course, you're walking a two-year journey. And so, you know, the thing is, this kid, this son of ours was, and our family, in fact, we are high achievers, we are optimistic, high energy, go getters, like, Mm. incredible, all four of us. And now we have a daughter in law, Rachel, same deal. And she's married to our younger son, Aaron. so we are a very can we are very much a can do family <laughs> and very submitted to Christ and his kingdom, but very like, get up and go and do, and this is us. Um, and so we throughout the the two years, Colleen, everything was a roadblock. Everything was a dead end. So it wasn't sort of this radical, we're gonna get it. Oh no, it's over. It was a two year like being in a maze and david kept bumping up for the first time in his life this is a kid that was yes it was a yes for him on his life a yes and amen and a blessing 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 depending on how you define blessings of course but this was his reality and now it was every time he turned around it was a dead end a dead end we did not get good news for 2 years i mean maybe a sh- maybe a hair here and there but we we had never experienced so much bad news so by the time we got the hospice report other than the fact and this was a big part of the story which we'll likely not get into today um but big part of the story was that i had sensed the holy spirit saying to me This will not end in death for David at the very start of this journey. So I had actually stood on the promise and this had been reinforced. I wrote it on an index card. I kept it before me. I prayed to that end. Um, That's a whole other story for another time, Colleen. When, when you believe God has said something, it's been reiterated. It has been reinforced by people with prophetic voices and then it doesn't happen. What do you do with that? So, I wanted to answer the first part. And then there's this whole other piece of it for us that we had to come to face to face with reality. My son is dying. And it was utterly horrifying. Horrifying. In fact, my daughter-in-law said David died on an airplane. Mm. Yeah, It was private. It was just our family that was with him. Uh, We had gone to have one last family vacation in San Diego when David passed, and I was standing right above him. We were all there, the four of us, standing over David when he breathed his last. My daughter-in-law told me later I didn't remember what I had said. I knew I didn't scream. I didn't. I knew I didn't cry out. I knew I didn't. But she told me a couple weeks later, and I said to her, "I don't remember if I said anything." She said, mom, you did say something." I said, "What did I say?" She said, "You said God didn't come through." God God didn't come through. Now, you have to understand, I have loved and followed Jesus my entire life. I help people find Christ. I help people see God. God always comes through. But I have learned in this journey, not in the ways that we always expect and anticipate. That's just the truth.
1: This obviously then, as the question I was going to ask was, what kind of impact did this have on your faith? It obviously had a massive impact. How has that changed over time now that it's been a year? Oh, Colleen, over the year, you know,
0: I, I love God. I'm not going anywhere. God's not going anywhere. God has been very quiet with me. I... I sense the Spirit of God um, the Trinity very much with me i I do not feel that there are things I need to do other than pay attention to grief live in the place that God has me i am you are speaking to a grape in the wine press right now, my dear. Mm. my job is to submit to the authority and the boundless love of Christ. My job is to pay attention to what's happening in my soul. And I have been over the last year. And boy, let me tell you, that's that's tough too. Building a ministry is tough. Mm-hmm. Paying attention to the season you're in or the day and the time that you're in and not trying to circumvent it or bypass it. That's hard when everyone tries to get you to be not everyone, but many people, especially again, especially followers of Christ, they they really want you to get happy again. Come on, Nancy, be mm-hmm. the leader. You're the leader. And I'm like, yes, I am on my face right now. I will not. So my relationship with God has gotten deeper. It isn't pleasant. He's been quite quiet actually. But I think I sense God even lately. This anniversary, May first, has come. And we are going, Colleen, we're going to Harvard's graduation. Our son would have been graduating. We're going to be there wow, up at Harvard for five, four days of graduation ceremonies. And they're going to be featuring or not featuring, but they're going to be uh, putting a spotlight on our son. Um, I sense the Lord very quiet with me. And I, I feel in my soul that that is very appropriate. I sense the Lord in a very kind, fatherly, weeping way holding me. But I'm not hearing a lot from God. Really, I'm not. Um, I love God. I trust God, and then I don't, and then I do, and then I don't, and then I do again. Ultimately, I have nowhere else to go. And um, But I have come to understand that God is infinite, and God will not... Play by my rules. God will not, you know. Uh, there's a pastor that said, um, "God will never uh, violate His word, but He will violate your interpretation of His word." Man, that's a tough lesson. That is a tough lesson, and I don't know where I don't know how that hits you today, my my dear. I don't know how that yeah. hits you, but and I don't know how that hits your listener. But that is a pastor with a voice that is desperately needed for these days. And I, I am learning that firsthand.
1: Will you use this and what you've learned or what you've experienced over the past year? And obviously in the diagnosis of your son as well in your ministry moving forward. Mm.
0: Will I use this? Yes. Oh, I am. You know, mm-hmm. Colleen, you know as well as I do, you're in ministry. Uh, we're in ministry. I mean, mm-hmm. all of life is ministry, whether you get paid in the market. I was still in ministry when I was singing on the stages of Canada and when I was mm-hmm. in in television with millions of viewers at with, uh, with um, QVC. All of life for the follower of Jesus is ministry. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I think one thing for anyone in ministry, especially when it's like, okay, now this is like, I, I, I actually am overtly now doing this. Um, what you have to do, any minister of the gospel needs to understand whatever God gives you, whatever is in your hand, you are the ministry. You show up, you are the ministry. God has placed an embedded ministry in you. And then at times in your life, he will open up the ground and you will, he will drop you deeper down onto lower and deeper foundations which is where I am. Um, and so any, any minister of the gospel knows that how the gospel comes to bear on them in this moment is where it's that's the place of ministry. That's what you bring. Mm-hmm. So one of my keynote talks now, I went back to, to some of my keynote talk. I speak at conferences, churches, I'm, I'm down in Virginia, uh, you know, um, this coming weekend, actually, but I don't know where, when this is airing. But regardless, um, uh, there is a talk that I give, and I have, and then there are retreats being developed, and and I'm going to be speaking on this more and more. Um, the inevitable portal to life. I am sharing this story and the costly insights to quote my son David that have come from this story, which are definitely needed for where yeah. the world is today and where the church is, especially in North America, in its radical decline. We need these
1: costly insights. So I'm, I'm speaking about this boldly, Colleen. I love that. I love that vulnerability. I feel when you have that vulnerability and you truly share your story and the raw emotions that you are feeling, mm. the impact can be felt that much further. And the impact can reach that much further because, wow. I can relate to that person. Mm. It's not just a quote unquote story. It is reality.
0: Well, you know, it is reality. And not only that, for me, for us, again, um, you know, Christian audience, I speak differently when it's not. Um, Story is what we use. This is, you know, the difference between a story and a testimony. This is my testimony. This is my son's testimony as well. I handle this very carefully. Um, And that is the difference between a story and a testimony. Testimony is when, is the revelation of Christ in our stories. It's the revelation. It's the power of the gospel in our story. Story has power. Testimony, oh, now that's us altogether different. That's otherworldly. And that is the power that the church needs today, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's what we need today. That's what I need in my life. I need mm. a moment by moment as I grieve the loss of my unbelievable son and grieve, and grieve my son who lives here, how he has to walk this out. People will say to me, Colleen, you know, um, David's in a better place. I'm like, yeah. Mm. Well, guess what? My other son, whom I adore just as much and who is just as amazing, is still living and has to live with the reality that his one and only brother that he's known all his life is no longer here. And by the way, I'm a mother. And I adore the father, my husband of 31 years. We are grieving. I, don't, don't try to make me happy. Don't try to make this better. You can't fix this. Mm. You know what I mean? So yes. it's kind of a big deal. I better be honest about this. If I can't get honest about this, well, when will I be honest? Mm.
1: Honesty is so important. We also, when it comes to grieving, we will always forget that other side and all those other people. I know one of our friends, my husband and I had a friend who was tragically uh, struck by a car and killed. Mm. He was only 21 years old. Mm. Uh, obviously, we could see the pain in the in the parents. Yes, But the brother of this young man, he mm. was a younger brother as well, yes. Yes. went into a deep, dark depression and everybody completely forgot about the fact that Everybody that well, you know, everybody that loved that person that's can right deal with that grief that is quite often forgotten about. It's very interesting that you that you mentioned that. Another thing that's interesting about you is the book. Your mm. book mental mm. lift. Now that was released well before this.
0: It was released September twenty nineteen, just a few months after David was diagnosed. He was diagnosed in May of twenty nineteen. I had already written the book. Wow. It, it was published. David was at my public. I had a big party, p- a publishing party. Um, that book, you know, Colleen, I've had many interviews I've taught. I have a great course of called awaken, which is the foundational elements of the faith, uh, which is an online course. You do it in person as well, but that it's based on that book, uh, meant to live. I look back at that and awaken was created uh, this course was created before David passed. Guess what? I stand by every word. I stand by every word. We, I believe, and there is a quote in my book that says, the extent to which we enter into our pain with God. By the way, this is not the thesis of the book, but I've come to realize, oh Lord, oh Abba, it's the truth the extent to which we enter into our pain with god is the extent to which genuine life is released in us i want life i am someone who will who will turn people towards the god who calls himself life jesus says i'm the resurrection and the life so i am someone who has spent her life pointing people to God, who is life. And I've come to understand that very, very few people want to uh, do what it actually takes to have genuine life. We like what Jesus says, you know, I have come to give them life and give it to the full. (laughs) Right. And David said while he was going through chemotherapy, David said, oh, sure. We all want to live our best lives. We all want it. You know, we all want our best selves said, said differently um, to uh, to quote Jesus, um, have abundant life. Okay, this is his, here's this hard thing. What are you gonna do? What's your move? Or are you just gonna talk? So I believe that the extent to which we enter into our pain with God, the reality of pain, the reality of suffering, um, the reality of a broken world, the reality of the Ukraine, the reality of the church in decline, all of these things, as we enter into the pain, Um, facing what's true in us, facing the sorrow um, with our bodies engaged in that and in crying and in speaking out what what we thought and what we now know, et cetera, all of this engagement. Um, The reality, as we enter into the pain, God will meet us in that place and God will do what God does best. We don't need to generate full life. We don't need to act like we're alive, No. We need genuine life and that comes by god god will meet us in that place and god will do what god does best and resurrect what's dead in us there's genuine life they're equal in measure so that is something i've come to understand even deeper in my book though it wasn't the thesis um, it was a look at the church in radical decline and saying, what's going on here when other parts of the globe are blooming with the gospel like never before in history? Uh, that's what the book was a- is about. And boy, this part though, that, that, that quote has become a centerpiece of our ministry actually.
1: For those of our listeners who want to learn more about you, who want to learn more about your ministry and your story, your testimony, how can they go about doing that?
0: Well, they can go to my website, com, And I'm on social media, Facebook and Instagram. Um, everything is Nancy Hicks Live. Mm. And the live has a, many layers. Um, mm. <laughs> and thank God, thank God. Uh, but anyway, everything is Nancy Hicks Live. So that's where they can find me.
1: Thank you so much for sharing your story and for being vulnerable with us today. We really appreciate it.
0: Pauline, thanks for uh, engaging with me today. I really appreciate it. And for your work.
1: And thank you so much for joining us and for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.